Let's get to work. Father, thank you uh, for this morning. Thank you for every person under the sound of my voice and the fact that you have a customized word for every heart and every mind that's in this house today. So will you do what you do best and that, God, we try to set up dates because we know when somebody meets you and go on a date with you, their lives are changed forever. Remove us out of the way so your conversation with them will go great. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? All right. Uh, look at the person to your right and say to them, uh, I need you to read with me. Look at the person to your left and say, and say you're the cuter one. I need you, I need you to read too. Let's just, let's just start some drama early. Start some drama early. <laughs> Everybody, will you stand with me, please? Let's go to the word, John. Uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 1. All I want you to do is read with me. Let me give you the setting. Uh, the disciples had uh, just went through a really hard time. It is Thursday. They had communion. Judas betrays them. They take Jesus away. Right after that, they go through all day Friday, six different trials. Then Jesus uh, hangs on a cross, and he dies. Now we're picking it up on, 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 on the day after the Sabbath, and let's see what happens. Here we go. Everybody read with me. When the Sabbath was over, Mary and Mary and so brought spices so that they... My, my, my. Number two. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from us? Last verse, here we go. Looking up, had been rolled away, although... No, let me remind you of something, everybody, that sometimes is often overlooked in the Easter story. Not one person, nobody, was expecting Jesus to come out of that grave. Not one person. Everybody went, and because here's what was normal for them. Dead people stay dead. That's what's normal. Uh, many people, many people were crucified at that time. Jesus wasn't the only person crucified. Uh, lots of people were crucified, and they were thrown to the dump right afterwards. But Jesus, because he had this rich friend that came, took his body, asked to get his body, and then put it in a tomb. Here's what all the disciples expected, him to stay dead. Here's what, the, uh, here's what all these women expected, him to stay dead. Nobody expected him to rise upon He told them. But whenever he would talk about that, they would always say, yeah, 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 whatever. Here's why. Because as a Messiah, they were looking for Jesus to take over Rome, not for Rome to take over Jesus. Watch what happens next. Let's pick it up in the book of John. John 20. Watch what happens. Same passage, I mean idea, now described in a different way. Here we go. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb. While it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and said to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have and we do not where they. Now, now here, Frisco, here's what I want to know. What do you mean by they? They? Who is they? 
what are these, what, what, what are they saying? They're saying somebody has stolen Jesus. Here's why. Because nobody expected Jesus to be to, to rise from the dead. Nobody did. Don't, don't, don't let the text fool you as if they're these great guys who just thought, oh, he's going to rise. Here we go. Five, four, three, two, one. Cue the sun. Jesus, come now. Nope. Not one. Everybody expected dead people, finish it with me, to stay dead. Everybody. Next verse. Come on. Here we go. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. Verse 3. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran <laughs> faster than Peter and came to the now, now, that's funny right there. That's funny. Peter, um, really, you're going to have to let everybody know that you're that slow, buddy. Come on, man. A little, more, a little more working out. Come on now. Let's go. Verse number five. Here we go. And stooping, and he saw the rapid lying there. But, and so Simon Peter also followed, following him and entered the tomb. And he saw... Last verse. Here we go. And the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen, but rolled up in a place. Do you think any of them were expecting a resurrection? The answer is no. They thought somebody stole the body. My God, you may be seated. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, I want to I remind you. Today, and I want to just talk just for a few moments about reframing this thing called Easter. Reframing Easter. Uh, you have the disciples, they were fatigued. You have the disciples, they were, they, were, they were failures. You have the disciples, they were fearful. Where do we find them? We find them, we find them in a house with the door shut. Why? Because they all think they came after Jesus, they're coming after me next. You find the disciples concerned, worried, fearful, wondering what's going to happen to them next. You remember Peter? Peter said, hey man, I know Jesus. Jesus, if they touch you, I'm going to cut off their ears. And then later on, somebody came up to him and said, hey, you, 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 you were there with him. Said, uh-uh, not me, not me. Um, no, 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 not me. And then a little 12-year-old girl came and said, yes, I saw you with him. And, she, and he said, what the blankety blank, 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 leave me alone. Some of you know what blankety-blank blank means. Some of you have used those blankety-blank the blank words too. But that's what the girl said and Peter said, no, no, no. So he went from I'm passionate about God to I don't believe in God to I don't even know God. And that's where we find them today. Hiding away, wondering what's up. But, but listen, I don't know about you, but I think, I think many of us think the same things the disciples thought. I think many of you are today wondering, well, I don't know if this Jesus thing is real. I think many of you today are wondering, and you have thoughts like this. Here are seven of them that I, that I think. Number one, I think many of you think this whole thing is illogical. You think just like the disciples did. Hey, man, what you mean? Dead people die. They don't get up out of no grave. They die and they stay dead. And so many people think, many skeptics think, many, many, many intellectuals think, yeah, Jesus, come on, man, nobody, nobody's thinking like that. That never happened. 
Number two, some of you think, well, well, I have doubts about it. I'm not so sure this is real, and I have fear about, no, if I give my life to Jesus, I got to give my whole life. I like, kind of like my life. I like running my own life. I don't want nobody else telling me how to run my life, so just leave me alone. Let me run my life. Number three, some of you think, well, I just don't believe in the Bible. Hmm. And so some of you believe, and this is what happens when many uh, young people go to college and they go to the intellectual centers of our country and they go and, you know, you taught them really good while growing up and then all of a sudden a professor shows up and says, well, let me show you some inconsistencies in the Bible that your mother and dad has taught you. And that's why one million, one million students every year walk away from their faith. And the reason they do is because they believe that, that, that my mama told me the reason I know God loves me is because the Bible tells me so. So if the professor finds the argument in the Bible that says, well, there's inconsistency, now because the flaw is in the Bible, then I don't have to believe Jesus. So now if you get rid of the Bible, then you get rid of Jesus. And of course, nobody wants Jesus to run their lives, so they find ways in which to, to, to prove that the Bible is wrong, which many of you have as well. Number three, some of you decide, argue, well, there's, there's desire for comfort and intellectual laziness. That's all Christians do. You just want comfort. So when somebody dies, you think, oh, yeah, you're going to see them again in heaven. It's okay. Don't, don't, don't lose your mind. It's going to be all right. Intellectual argument. So then you say, that's just intellect. Who, who would think that Jesus could rise from the dead? No, nobody should believe that. Then they argue, well, there's, you're just a product of your upbringing. If you're, brought up, if you're brought up in the Muslim world, then you wouldn't believe like you believe. And, and so they go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And many of you do too. And then my favorite of them all, here's, here's my favorite of them all, reason why people don't believe. They say, uh-uh, I know too many of these. Let, let me say it another way. One of them might be sitting beside you. <laughs> I know too <laughs> I know too many phony Christians, they say they love Jesus, but when they come to work, they don't look like they love him. They say that Jesus would love their enemies, but I know they got an enemy, and they talk about that enemy worse than anybody else in the office. So how come you're going to say you love Jesus, but your life don't say that? And so they say, I can't follow Jesus because the people who follow him, I just don't like them. They mean, they rude, they cuss worse than I cuss. Here we go. Here's another one. Here's another one. Evil. Well, how can you say there's a God when so much evil exists? Here's another one. Pain. I lost a good friend of mine, and when I lost them, they had no right. They were good people. They deserved to live, and all of a sudden, now they're gone. What are you saying to me? That there's some Jesus when all this evil exists and all this pain exists. I, I, I can't trust your Jesus. To which I would say to you, that you and the disciples were in the exact same place. The exact same place. That's exactly what they thought. Every last one of these seven, come here with me, go to number one. They thought, nobody's going, no, go back to number one. Nobody would think, of course it's illogical. Nobody's expecting Jesus to come out of that grave. That does not happen. People die on a cross. Yes, lots of people do. But nobody comes out of that grave. So therefore, yeah, I'm not going to no grave expecting him to be gone. Next one. Then he says, of course we had doubt and fear. 
We're, we're terrified, actually, which is why we hid ourselves, which is why we didn't want them to see us. We didn't know what would happen because of our association with him. We thought he was the Messiah, but Messiahs don't die. They come and they take over and they rule the world. That's not what he did. He's dead. He's in a grave somewhere. He's not coming out. Number three, then you go, yeah, we don't believe in the Bible. By the way, just so you know, they didn't have this Bible. Nobody did. They didn't have the Bible as we have it today. And yet still, after the resurrection, they lived their lives passionately for God without the Bible. So the Bible is not the foundation of our faith. Absolutely not. It helps explain our faith, but it is not the foundation of our faith. But they believed. They said, yeah, no, no, no. They didn't have it. The next one. So then they go to, and they, they, their argument there was a number four. Next one. It's coming. Yeah, there we go. Uh, desire for comfort or intellectual laziness. Of course, nobody would think that, that, that somebody who is dead will get up and then stay up. Nobody thinks that way. That's, that's for lazy people who don't want to, who don't want to deal with the rigors of, of, of intellectual prowess. No, 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 no. Next one, number five. Of course, we knew Judas. He was phony too. He the one that handled all the money. And he was a fraud. So yeah, keep y'all Christianity because they understood exactly how you feel. And then evil and pain, five, six and seven, evil and pain. Listen, listen, just consider for a moment. They saw their best friend, the one who called himself the son of God, get nailed to a cross, spat on, spear up his side, nailed in his hands and in his feet. And they said, how could a good God do that to his own son? How could evil like this exist? That all of these bad people are there and they say, give us Barabbas, but take Jesus away. What kind of manner of evil is that? What kind of manner of pain must mom feel when she's there? What kind of manner of pain must Mary Magdalene feel when she is there? That the one that they had worshipped is now dead. So every last one of your intellectual arguments, these disciples felt that's why none of them, not one, expected him to rise from the dead. So then what happened? What changed? All of them, they were fatigued and they were fearful and they were failures and this was normal. And so now, by the way, these same three is what take your confidence away on any given day. The same three Fs. Take your confidence away. But what happened to these men? Let's pick it up. Let's pick it up and let's see what happens in John chapter 20, verse 19 and 20. What happened to these men? Here it is. They're in the house. They're fearful. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut, why were they shut? Where the disciples were? For fear of the Jews. Everybody, they thought they were next. I'm next, I'm next, I'm next. Jesus came, listen, and stood in their midst. And said to them, peace be with you. Read it with me, everybody. Peace be with you. Why? They're terrified. And the prince of peace shows up and says, hey, man, this is like when we were in the boat. You remember? You know, I said we're going to the other side. And you guys talking about, well, no, no, no. Because you saw a wave. You saw a storm. And you saw me sleeping. I don't know why you didn't sleep. But you got all riled up. And he had to get up and say to the storm, peace, 
I said, there's nothing. I told you I was going to get up, but you didn't want to believe me because whenever I told you something that didn't fit the narrative in your mind, you kind of tuned me out. So now I'm telling you, I'm going to get up. So here I am now. And he says, hey, you don't need to be fearful. I'm in charge. I was never not in charge. I gave that enemy a blow he will never recover from because he thought it was done. Until he heard me start moving around. And then all of a sudden he says, whoa, 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 whoa. What is happening? Because it wasn't normal. Look at what happens to the disciples now. They say, next verse. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. What changed? They were fearful, they were fatigued, and they were failures. And then they saw the risen Christ, and all of a sudden they charge into the streets of Jerusalem and say, you guys were wrong. You killed Jesus, but I'm here today to tell you, he is not dead. He's alive. And all of a sudden, they got confidence like never before. Why? Because of one event. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it changed them forever. My problem is that too many Christians know about the resurrection and their lives are still the same. Even though they're now saved. All they did was sprinkle a little Jesus so they could go to heaven. But their lives are not transformed. Not so with these disciples. Not so with these women. Their lives would never be the same again. All their thoughts, all their skepticism... Gone. Why? Because of one event. That's why I want you to make sure, turn your page over, if, you, if you're going along with me on this. That's why I want you to understand. Here was the normal, the norm of Easter. There are four things that happened. You had despondent, well, you had nervous religious leaders. You had disciples that were terrified. You had despondent women. And then you have confused Roman. This is the story on Saturday. But Lord have mercy. Sunday is coming. Now listen, here's what you need to remember. So what happened here was, now we, we, we aren't here today because of a stolen body. That's not why we're here. We're not here today, number two, because Jesus died on the cross. Let me stop right there. Many of you are wearing uh, chains today that have Jesus. The, this idea of reframing comes from this. It is not. This is not the center of it all because many people died on a cross like this when Jesus died on his cross. This is not the center of it all. Although this is very important to it, it is not the center. Why? Because other people died like that. If you're going to reframe the story, here's the real reframing of the story. you got to realize that that's not the celebration. The celebration is even though some of them died on a cross, only one of them got up. And only one of them represents an empty tomb today. Because many crosses, only one got up. And if you can show me somebody else who predicted their death, who went to the cross, who died, and on the third day got up and is still living today, show me that person. I'll follow them too. On until then, you've got a question to wrestle with. He's either a liar or he's a lunatic or he should be Lord of your life because the grave is empty. Can I get a witness, somebody? Come on up here, gentlemen, real quick. Let me show you what really happened on that cross. 
And let me show you why it's so significant. And then, and then I'll invite you to make a decision today. Here's what really happened on this cross. And it is so important that you don't miss what happened. Every piece of what I'm about to say is so important. This represents you. This represents your sin. This represents your ugliness. This represents your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. And what you need to know is that all that happened to you is that every single day of your life, you are committing another atrocity before God. Some of you did something this morning you shouldn't have done. Some of you will do something this evening that you shouldn't do. Some of you will do something in the future that you shouldn't do. But here's what Jesus Christ did for you. He decided that this was not good enough. So the Father sent his son, Jesus. And when he sent his son, Jesus, he said, Jesus, I need you to take care of all sin. Present, past, and future. On your best day, when you think you are godly and you're still tripping, he's taking care of that sin too. And then he said, then he said, I, not, not this represents all your sin, all of it, including, that looks like a fly, I don't know what it is. Anyways, all of it, it represents you. And then Jesus said, Jesus said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take it on me. And I'm going to drink what was yours, rightfully yours. And Jesus says, I'm going to absorb all of that. I'm going to take every last blow the enemy has. I'm going to put it on my own body. I'm going to let it stay there. And I'm going to absorb it in the name of Jesus. And then he says, then he says, as if that wasn't good enough. The reason he died on that cross is because he knew his daddy cannot interact with, uh, with flawed people. So you needed the perfection of Jesus to absorb the pain and the penalty of sin so that you and I can have a relationship with the Father. So what he did was he saw you and he decided, let me unrobe you. And he took off all the drama when he died on that cross. And he took off your future drama when he died on that cross. And then he says, I'm going to exchange something for you. And I'm going to give you all of that unrighteousness. And I'm going to take on all the sins of the earth, all the sins of the world, and he put it on himself. And he says, here's what I'm going to do. What was rightfully due to you, I'm going to embrace it on me. And what he said was, I'm going to stay there. I'm going to feel the penalty of it. I'm going to be scorned and I'm going to suffer. And then he died. And when he died, he stayed in that grave. But he had to die so he could deal with that sin. But Lord, have mercy. Early one Sunday morning, he decided, it's time to go back to my father. So he said, let me take on my purity and let me go back to my heavenly father. And the only reason, the only reason you have a possibility of knowing God today is because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. But he did not stay in that grave. The reason he had to come out is because if he didn't come out, then he would not give you hope that one day you will come out too. The only reason you can come out is because he came out. Somebody ought to praise God for that today. Somebody ought to celebrate Jesus today. Somebody ought to say, thank you, Jesus, today. Somebody ought to say, praise your name, Jesus, today, in the name of Jesus. Because he got up. The one event that changed all of human history was the fact that he got up.
And no matter what argument you bring today, you need to know that Jesus Christ is today seated at the right hand side of the Father. And he said on the cross, it is finished which means now you have the opportunity and the possibility of having a relationship with the Father. He gave you education beyond your, beyond your knowledge. Now don't you dare use that education to rationalize why you don't need God. He's the one that created you. He's the one that gave you life. He's the one that keeps you breathing. He's the one that keeps you sane in your mind. Everything you got, you got because of his grace in your life. So don't you dare rationalize with your little intellect because you went to Harvard and, and you went to MIT and you, and, you went to, and you went to whatever school you went to. He says, don't get it twisted. The disciples started out fearful with all the skepticism in the world. And today they changed the world. And listen, the only reason you're here today is because of them. So let me ask you a question. Those of you who've been saved a long time, who going to be in the kingdom because of you? They did their turn. Well, it's your turn now. Is it just that we want Jesus sprinkled on the top so we don't go to hell? By the way, let me tell you something, and then I'm done. Um, 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 they did a research the other day. 78% uh, of people believe in heaven. 76% of them believe that they have done enough to get there. Watch this now. 56% of Americans believe in hell. Only 6% of them believe they're going there. <laughs> Do you know how you know about heaven, by the way? Because Jesus thought about heaven. Because when he died and got out of that grave, guess where he's going? To heaven. That's the only reason why we have heaven. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. It started when he created the earth. But it continued on that cross when he got up out of that jail. So I have just one question for you and then we're done. Here's the question. What are you going to do with Jesus today? What are you going to do with his resurrection? This one event. You're going to just, oh, it's just another, oh, come on, just another story. The reason we believe is because of eyewitnesses. So you have to admit he's a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's supposed to be your Lord. He's either a liar or a lunatic Oh, he went to that grave and died for you and on the third day got up. Either one, you got to make a choice. So you have in your, in your chairs, you have this card that they've been talking about. And all I want you to do is fill it out. Every person in the house, every person in the atrium, every person online, every person at Frisco, every person in our student building right now, everybody, you've got a card. I want you to fill it out. Take it out. Look at the person next to you. I say, where your card at? Where your card at? Where your card? Come on, for real. Talk to them. Where your card at? Ask them. Ask them. Ask them. Ask them. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's it. Now pick that up. And if there, 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 there are about 11 decisions you need to make. And my question is, on this Easter, what's going to be your next spiritual step? What's yours? But everybody's got to make one. Either you're going to start serving. You're going to, I'm lonely and I'm going to start a, I'm going to be a part of a community group. Either you're not in church and I'm going to start going back to church. Either you don't know Jesus and you're going to come to know Jesus. Either you're not baptized and you want to get baptized. Either you've wandered away from God and you've made other things priority and it's your turn now to get back. But everybody's got to make a decision because the resurrection changed everything.
So what I'm going to ask you to do right now is I don't want anybody leaving right now. Nobody walking out from the atrium anywhere. I want you to simply consider, God, what do you want from me on this resurrection morning? Our team's going to come and they're going to sing a song through one time. And when they're done, I want you to make a decision. Here is my next step. Here's my family's next step. Here are my kids' next Here's what I'm going to do next. But everybody gets it. And everybody writes it. And when you're going out, they'll have boxes where you can drop them in there. And we'll know the decision that you've made. But more importantly, God will know the decision that you made. And your life should never be the same ever again.